You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today we are talking more about the missing ingredient, which is joy. We talked about last week, and it, people like came to me and talked to me about it. I felt like I had to change what I was going to do today to kind of continue the conversation. And, and here's the deal. Last week we talked about silly, stable joy, how your joy in the Lord can look silly to the world, but it's stable in who he is because Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you don't have strength, it's the joy that actually gives you strength. Shared this definition with you. Christian joy is the emotion springing from the deep down confidence of the Christian that God is in complete and perfect control of everything and will bring from it our good in time and our glory in eternity. Your spirit has to lead your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Can't be the other way around. Can't be led by your emotions. Can't be led by your mind because that can race. Your soul can be all over the place. But your spirit, when it's aligned with Christ, it can lead you to do great things because the spirit brings fruit. And the fruit is good. And if you don't amen me a lot today, I'm going to preach long. Amen? There you go. I'm going to fire you up because I believe the church. Listen, here's the deal. I've watched the church for a long time. I've been in the church growing up. And sometimes I think of all places, that's not the place where there's joy. We can find joy a lot of other places, but I believe it's changing. Amen? Because we need to be an example of joy that people want to come in because they want part of what we're doing. Amen? So we're tapping into today abiding joy abiding joy, not silly, stable joy. We're going to take it to the next level. We're going to be abiding. Somebody said, well, how do I get the joy? I've got, I got an answer for you today. John 15, turn your Bibles, John 15, abiding joy, abiding joy. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is his last 24 hours on earth before he actually say 24 hours before he's crucified. And Jesus is downloading these nuggets to his disciples. And he says this in chapter 15 of John, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like the branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Abiding joy. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we are carriers of your joy. We are farmers of good fruit 
and the fruit is joy of the Lord. Today, we declare right now that you're shifting paradigms in this place, and you're depositing joy in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think of joy, what does joy look like, right? Do you ever wonder what joy looks like? I brought a picture of what I think joy looks like. That's my daughter, Everly, going down the slide. And I had to blow up her face because I think that's sheer joy right there. I mean, she's living her best life. And honestly, like kids exude joy more than sometimes adults do. Can we be honest right now? Because sometimes we get, we get hardened, right? Not hardened criminals, but we get hardened. We get hardened. Why? Because we, we like to overthink things. We always do the worst case scenario. What if the slide is too fast? You know, one of the things that, that really makes kids walk in joy is they could be fighting with you at 10 a.m. and be your best friend at 11 a.m. They forgive. They move on. They don't, and they, you know, here's the deal. When I look at my kids, especially the little ones, they look at life with all the wonder. Everything's an adventure. Everything they do, it's exciting. When we get older, we look at slides and we go, well, is this proper measuring? Is this proper height for a slide? If, you, if you're old school sliders... Remember the metal slides? That was, that was crazy, man. Go down that slide, smell bacon. It's your thigh. Burning. Those things got up to, I don't know, 4,000 degrees. Kids running down them. <laughs> Still burned 30 years later. I mean, we overthink things, don't we? We always look at a slide and we look at these things. We go, you know, what? what what could happen? What, and, and I found myself telling my kids, and we do this, right? Because it's proper parenting. It's like, you're going to get hurt, right? It, everything is like worst case scenario, you know? And sometimes I wonder, it's like, well, maybe I need to stop telling them to worry and maybe be more adventurous, joyful. Because I will say this, that there's a lot of people in this room that have lost their joy because you've lost your all in wonder. Come in, everything's cynical, looking at everything, trying to figure out what could go wrong. You come into church expecting to be hurt. I got good news for you. Jesus says that if you abide in him, he abides in you. Paraphrase, good things happen. Matthew 18, 3 says this. This is what Jesus says. He says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like a child, Turn and become. That means he knew you were going to change into something else, a.k.a. an adult, a responsible adult. Unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There is something about a child's awe and wonder that we have lost. So what's the difference between happiness and joy? Because that's something that brought up this week. Somebody said, well, happiness is different than joy. Well, let's see what the word says. Depending on the translation, the Bible uses happy and happiness about 30 times, while joy and rejoicing appear over 300 times. We know that in the book of Philippians. But if you look at the Bible translations, depending on the different ones, you'll find that there are actually more than 100 verses in Scripture that use happiness and joy together, synonymous. Esther 8.16 says, For the Jews it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. Jeremiah 31, 13, I will turn their mourning into joy and bring happiness out of their grief. Give your father and mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy, Proverbs 23, 25. You, O Lord, have made me happy by your works. I will sing for joy because of what you have done, Psalms 92, 4. 
Rejoice in the Lord and be happy, you who are godly. Psalms 32, 11. So it's false for us to say that joy is a Christian trait and happiness is the world. Because really in the word, when we look at it through a theological lens, those two words come very closely together. But if we look at it through an etymology lens, where a study of a word, we know this, that the word happiness is actually from an old Scandinavian term or a word the word hap. And if you know where hap goes, hap is happenstance. It's luck. It's chance. It comes from the word happenstance, to be controlled by circumstances that happen to you. So really, although joy and happiness in the word of God come very closely, the word itself that we see, happiness, is a derivative of chance. So maybe you look at it that way. Maybe I'm happy because good things happen today. I'm happy because the, the, the day I made it through alive, I didn't kill my kids. I didn't, my kids didn't kill me. However that is, talk to a lot of parents. I, I didn't kill my parents. How about that? Well, that's a little dicey. You don't kill your parents. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy, we know to be the second in line. Love, joy. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. So back to John 15, Jesus is sharing this to his disciples for a reason. In fact, if you jump ahead, John 16, you can see Jesus begins to say this. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Chapter 16, verse 16, that whole passage. He starts telling them that things are going to come, but these bad things will turn around for your good. And I don't know about you, but the scriptures that he spoke back then seem to work today. When we have wars going on, we have people going into supermarkets and shooting people for the color of their skin. Maybe we need to be reminded that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Whether you know it or not, there are so many things going on in our nation that are stealing and sucking your joy. But you cannot let it go that easily. I want you to learn to fight for your joy. I want you to know that dark things are coming ahead. If you know the Lord, you're like, praise God, man. That's okay because I'm going to go through it. I got good scripture for you today. I'm going to show you how it's for your benefit. Jesus said, abide in me. What does the word abide mean? It's simply the Greek word meno, which means don't walk away from Christ. Stay, remain, don't leave, don't be flaky, don't be scattered. Stay, abide, reside. John 14 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, Tim, know, you know him because he dwells within you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no longer, but you will see me because I live. You will also live in that day. You will know I am with my father and you are in me and I am in you. This is a synonymous relationship. You're doing it. He's doing it. You're abiding in one another. First Corinthians three says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let me sit on this for a little bit. There were people that went to the temple. You are the temple. Right. 
There were people that could never enter into the Holy of Holies. You have the Holy of Holies in you. This is a major upgrade. There are people in the Old Testament like David that wish they were you, Jim Coquinos. They wish you were you. Ruth wishes she was you. Jennifer, no. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He abides. I hope he abides in you. Oh, I hope you abide in him. I, if you're not, I can tell you, you will not have joy. It says you will not know the Spirit. You will not have the things of the Spirit. You can sing a song. You can raise your hands, but you will not operate in the Spirit if you don't abide in him. Abiding in Christ, as crude as this may sound, my best comparison is when you live at home with your parents. I, all I can say is my kids... They don't pay rent, nor do they ever chip in to the mortgage payment every month. I've not seen my son, son, I'm sorry, or my daughters ever put some money on the counter and say, this is for the water I use to wash myself. Not happen. <laughs> hey, I know these lights take electricity. How much do I need to spend? How much can I give you towards not happen? Why? Because they abide in my house and they know that I take care of them. I'm their father. I'm a good, good father. It's who I am. It's who I am. Took you, I had to do it. Took you too long. Should be right there with me. This is what it's like abiding in Christ. You didn't earn salvation. You didn't earn everlasting life. You didn't earn the healing power that we just sang about. You don't earn that on your own. You can't muster it up. You can't work it up. It's when you abide in Christ, you get everything that he has. Because you live in a house. You're a squatter. You live inside of him. But he doesn't want it any other way. He said, I got you. I took care of it. I went to the cross, paid a cost for you. And now we abide. I hope you abide in him. What does it mean to abide in him? Abiding in the vine. Verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. When he says true vine, that means there's other forms and things that you can tap into that will not give you the fruit that he will. That means there's things in your life that will manufacture joy that you may have for a fleeting moment. And you think it's the Lord until it, it, it leaves. It's like all of a sudden the high wears off. It, the joy is not there anymore because it's not a supernatural joy. It's a joy you get from maybe going shopping or that dude finally said yes or she finally said yes or whatever that is. But that's a fleeting joy. Joy of the Lord is even if they say no. Oh, come on now, relationships. It says, my father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? He takes care of the plant. I did some research on vines because what Jesus would have been talking about, and the disciples instantly knew where he was going was a vineyard, wine, grapes. It says, if you ever visited a vineyard or seen a picture of one, you might imagine that vines naturally grow in neat, self-contained lines. It's not true. Actually, a wild grape vine is quite unruly. If left to its own devices, it would twist and turn its way up the nearest tree, using its tentacles to grab onto anything until it finally breaks free and reaches into the light. But this is interesting. Listen to this. However, this long, tangled vine is unlikely to produce a particularly tasty crop of fruit because most of its energy is going into growing and climbing. A grape grower or a vine dresser needs to control the vine in order to make it concentrate more energy into ripening its grapes. A good vine dresser actually trims the vine so that the fruit 
taste good. If you don't have a vine dresser, you're going to strive to earn the fruit that is bitter apart from him. Come on now. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples something they saw with their own natural eyes. I'll give you an example. I have these vines all throughout my uh, different flower beds and things. Now, these were, these were there way before I got the house. So I find all different kinds of vines creeping. I, I pulled this out this morning. And uh, these are the bane of my existence because they will twist and turn around every nice little flower and bush, right? And so, like, like they choke out things. I have one. It, it's, it's like sticky. It's like, it's like you rip it off and it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are hating that vine. It's like, ah, and you rip them out and they come back. And this thing and his brother here, I found these two this morning, and they were in the same plant. I ripped them out, but here's the bad news. They're still going to come back because the root didn't come out. But this is what he was trying to say to his disciples. He said, Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to know that when I rip this off and this is firmly planted in the ground, it will grow another branch. It will grow more fruit. But this will die. See, I want you to see that apart from him, you have no life. But when you're grafted into the vine, you are now full of the life of the vine. The vine gives you life. The branches feed off of it. You will only grow fruit if you're connected to the vine. Verse 2 says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the vine, you may not be saved. But if you're bearing fruit and you are connected to divine good news, <laughs> you're going to be pruned. That's what everybody says. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, I love the pruning. Nobody loves the pruning, but look what it says here. He prunes those he loves. Whoever abides in me and I in him, verse 5, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Abiding is a two-way relationship. You abide in him, he abides in you. Fruit will not happen apart from him. You will not be able to cast demons out. You'll not be able to raise people from the dead. You'll not be able to get up in the morning and get through depression and anxiety and love your spouse and do good grades in school you won't be able to do any of these things apart from him you'll strive you'll strive you'll be like that vine creeping up that tree doing all this work and the veg oh the fruit taste bitter but when you rest in the vine and you allow the vine dresser to prune you your fruit is full it's different it's different abiding in him is evident. You want to know how you know you're abiding in him? Number one, his words live in you. Your prayers are answered. You bear much, not just fruit, you bear much fruit and you keep his commandments. Some of you need to take a picture of that and look, is that, where, is that my life? Is that who I am? And by bearing much, not just fruit, not just enough fruit on Sunday, but much fruit. Fruit that people go, that guy's fruity, man, that fruity. You know, remember that? Fruity for Cocoa Puff. You're fruity. Cocoa Puffs were chocolate. Why would we be fruity for anybody? Explain it. We'll talk later. I don't understand that. His words live in you. Answer prayers. You ever wonder why your prayers don't get answered? I just told you. You're not abiding in him. You're not abiding in him. If you abide in him, 
He, will, he says he wants to answer your prayers. Did you read? Did you catch that in 15? Chapter 15, he wants to answer your prayers. Oh, man, people striving so hard to earn God's love. He just said, abide in me. Christ's joy. Here's the final result, and this is where I'm getting to you. Abiding joy. It says, if you abide in the vine, Christ's joy will be in you, and it will be full. It will be full. I'm tired of coming to church and looking at people. They look miserable. Look like you're doing time. Seriously, like I got to come. My mom made me come. Like, like, no, you should be full of joy. And I'm not talking about the joy that just happened on Friday when it was the last day of school. Can anybody shout amen? Maybe that's just Mary County, William County. Did you get out too? I don't know. No, that's why you're not full of joy. See, because your joy is dependent on your eradication from school. But if your joy was on Christ, first day of school, you got joy. 53rd day of school, you got joy. 120th day of school, you got joy. Come on now. What would it look like you walk down the hallways full of joy, full of joy, bearing much fruit? People will be coming up to you. They'll be saying, look, I don't know what you have, but I need it. Where'd you get it? Who gave that to you? Oh, it's, it's, I, I got, you, you want to meet me? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going? Meet me Sunday. Okay. Where, where are we going? 10 a.m. Where is it? 3011 Harvard Drive. Where, where, is this a church? Oh, you duped me. Yeah, because it's the joy of the Lord. Joy is in the finished work of Christ, not based in the circumstances presented to me. I like that. I wrote that. I made that up. Write it down. Put my name next to it. Joy is in the finished work of Christ, not based in the circumstances presented to me. I'm telling you, I'm learning this. I'm learning this. How do I know? Because James 1, 2, I hated that verse, and now I'm starting to like it. Look, it says this. Count it all joy. I like it. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds... What is trials of various kinds? It's an enticement to lapse from the faith and holiness. Count it all joy when those things come to you, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You want to be full of joy? You want to be perfect and complete? You're going to have to go through trials, and you're going to have to say, bring them on. That's why having your faith and joy tested is the best thing that could happen to you. That's why like some of you, all the things that are happening in our nation, wearing on you, give it to the Lord. Ooh, let it go. Here's the deal. If you panic and you have no joy or faith, you have been given an assignment from the Holy Spirit, abide in Christ. If you get a report this week and it takes everything within you, sucks the life out of you, you've been given an assignment. You don't trust the Lord in that place. Abide in him. You leave this place and it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too rainy, whatever it is, you've been given an assignment. Stop worrying about the weather, abide in him. Your joy is made complete when your fruit is threatened. Let me do that again so you could say amen louder. Your joy is made complete <laughs> when your fruit is threatened. Oh, because you don't like it. I don't like it, but I'm learning to like it. You know why? Because I know it's true. It's the word of God. When somebody, when the enemy comes after you, uh, let me read the next one. Your life is strengthened when the father prunes you. He prunes you because he knows there's more in you. Oh, man. He looks at you and he says, listen, you don't need this in your life. This depression that you've been diagnosed with, you can't seem to get over it. It's been in your family line for a long time. I want to remove it off your life. I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, it's hard. Okay, there, I got it. I'm going to remove the things that I know are holding you back so that when you grow, you're going to bear much fruit.
I want you to be a vine that bears much fruit. And this last one, your reaction to these things in your life indicate your spiritual maturity. So next time you feel the enemy coming in on you, say, come on, bring it on. Bring it on, devil. I am ready. Ready. You cannot stress me out. Ooh, I wish the church could talk like this. I wish the church was this gangster that we would start telling the enemy, you ain't going to stop me. Bring it on. See, see, we, we love Job because he went through it, but nobody wants to be Job. Everybody wants to be post-Job, not, not, not in the middle Job, right? Or pre-Job. That was a cool Job. The middle Job, no. I, you know, I want to be the post-Job when he got all this stuff back. You ain't going to be post-Job if you're not in the middle Job. You got to go through it. When you go through it with the joy of the Lord, it's your strength. You'll be able to accomplish things and go through things. Some of you, you've been diagnosed with things, and you had the joy of the Lord got you through the thing. That's what he's doing. He's, he's refining you. He's perfecting you. So last week, I gave you seven joy stealers. Well, good news. I got seven joy keepers for you today. I'm going to flip it up on you. Number one, I said, if you are not saved, you can't have joy. Well, guess what? I'm saying this to you today. You're saved. You're what? Secure. Ephesians 2.8. I'm going to give you scripture. I'm going to preach to you today. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. You don't have to manufacture joy. You don't have to beg God for joy. You don't have to work for it. All you got to do is be in the vine. Abide in it. You're secure. Your destination is set. Number two, something that tries to steal your joy is demonic attacks, but I know this. Psalms 91.11 says, I'm protected, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. If you ever get in a pickle, oh, come on now, pickle. If you ever get in a pickle, you can, you can say, God, I need the angels to protect me and guard me in all my ways. I can't tell you how many times the angels have stopped things from happening in your life. I'm going to make sure my daughter's not here. We're teaching her how to drive, and I can guarantee you we almost died last week. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I didn't know what else to do other than just saying, thank you, angels. Thank you, angels. Whoo, Jesus. He protected me. I won't use that in the next service. Number three, some of you are going to tell her, and I'm going to be very angry. I'm going to find out who you are. This is just between 10 and on live stream. Number three, trust me, my kids ain't going home watching this. They have enough of me. Number three. Joy stealers are circumstance focused, but I'm telling you this, you are promised focused people. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not what you see. It's what he has told you. It's not what you re reported on. It's what he has promised you. Walk by faith, not by sight. Number four, bad theology or unbelief will steal your joy, but I'm here to tell you today, you're knowing and living truth. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and and hearing through the word of Christ. It's through the word of God. These scriptures I'm giving you. Build up your faith and produce much fruit. Number five, spiritual laziness and fruitlessness. Guess what? Your promise is this. You will be overflowing with fruit. I'm prophesying. You're overflowing with fruit. Colossians 1. We have not ceased to pray for you, Paul's saying, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, what? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might 
for all endurance and patience with joy. With joy. Overflowing. Overflowing. That leads me to number six. Entitlement, guess what? Now you're gratefully adopted. Colossians, continue on. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You get an inheritance. You get an inheritance. And it's you get the joy of the Lord. Number seven, instead of being naive, you're an awakened kingdom wisdom person. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. You have been given the ability to walk in another level. When everyone else will crumble, you walk with boldness and joy and strength. When other people have caved in, you keep on running. You are that marathon runner that can go through anything and come out smelling like gold. I don't know what gold smells like, but it sounded good. You are that person. And if we don't understand how important this is, we're going to miss it. We're going to go through the trials coming. Let me just tell you, the world's getting worse. I don't know what book you read, but the world's getting worse. But here's the good news. God's going to do his greatest things in these days. It says the wheat and the tare will grow together. That means that as the bad things are growing, the good things are flourishing. And I want you to be one of those good fruits. I want you to be one of those people that people run to and say, what must I do to be saved? I need to know. I need to know. What's, how's your marriage working? How are you living life like this? How are you, how are you singing with joy on your faces? Every time you guys are up there, you got the smile on your face. What is that all about? It's the joy of the Lord. I don't want to go to a church where there's no joy. Just like you should never want to go to a church that has no love. Joy is important. It's the missing ingredient to this church. I'm telling you right now, the body of Christ, when we get this, the body will excel. Oh, man, there's nothing we can't do because the joy gives us strength. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.